You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. I can't empty my hands fast enough for God to fill it. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you take it to the book of Mark? Take it to the book of Mark this morning. So glad that you are here, present. We're continuing our series entitled Wrecking Religion. Wrecking Religion. But before we go there, I just got to share with you uh, just a praise report how good God is. Uh, for the last several months, ever since we moved into the high school, since we've been portable, uh, each and every Saturday we would spend probably three to four hours renting a U-Haul truck, picking it up, loading it. We'd have to reserve it a week in advance uh, to Hopefully, make sure there was one there. Often on Saturdays, we'd go to pick up our reserved U-Haul truck that we had already paid to reserve. And they were like, sorry, we gave it away. And so we would have to hunt all over town to go find somebody else that had one. And it wasn't simply, oh, go find a U-Haul truck. Well, we kind of need a specific size because we we actually fill a 20-foot box truck. And so that had been going on week after week. It was an extra drain on our volunteers. And then not to mention, it takes a little bit more time and after tear down. And so we've just been praying, uh, Lord, open up a door. So last week we prayed and I shared the opportunity with our church. And it was just amazing because a relatively uh, new family, not a stranger to our church at all, but uh, just a great family, the Gimbal family, uh, handed me an $8,000 check to go buy a box truck because we had found it. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Just how, how he provided, just exciting. Uh, what was really cool, we had found one that was 8000 The guy said it's in Lodi. And uh, so Sunday afternoon, I was all excited, letting him know, hey, we'll be there on Monday. And then Monday morning at 7.03, I get a text. And he was like, well, that truck, I don't, let's do it later on. And I was like, okay, this doesn't sound good. I, I, I have the money. You know, what's going on? And he was like, well, I think it has mechanical issues. And I was like, this isn't good. So 7 in the morning, I'm already on my laptop looking for another truck because we had some guys that rearranged their work schedules to go and look at the truck to make sure it was in good working order so we didn't buy some truck that was just going to fall apart on us. And so I was just kind of sweating. And then my wife asked, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a truck. Told her what happened with the truck that fell through. So she's like, well, I'm going to look on Facebook. I was like, yeah, Facebook. You're not going to find a truck there. And then she sends me a truck. And I was like, no, that's too good to be true. You know, it was a two-year newer truck. It was 56,000 miles less. I was like, no. And it was uh, just $100 more than the other truck. And it was an hour and a half closer. So I was like, there's no way. So a few of us loaded up. We went to Oakland. And sure enough, God provided a 2005 international box truck with a bigger engine, 24 feet loading lift gate it's just in great condition some of you may have seen it outside and that was just a blessing from the Lord that's just incredible so what's really cool is um uh you know I'm just uh, you may say oh you're just cheap yeah it's the Lord's money I want to be careful about it so we were doing our 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 work and inspecting the truck and everything and I took two guys with me that were just real experts except they kept saying that's a good price that's a good price and I just want to say shut up I'm gonna try to get it lower so stop saying that's a good price and uh you know but I couldn't because he was right there so I (laughs) 
<laughs> this is, I was looking for things wrong with the truck. So there's nothing wrong with it, but I was like, they, were, they said the lift gate didn't work. And I was like, oh, well, the lift gate doesn't work. That could cost thousands of dollars to repair. So what can you do for us humble church people? You know, so he was like, all right, the taxes alone for this truck will be about eight. $880. He's like, how about $8,500 out the door? I'll take care of all the DMV taxes license for $8,500. I said, deal. Not a problem. Excellent. So then uh, I was working out the details with our bookkeeper, and they told me, they were like, hey, you didn't just get $8,000 on Sunday. Somebody else gave you $500. Isn't God good? He knew exactly to the dollar amount how much the truck was going to cost. $8,500. Now, you say, why are you getting so excited? Because it's just neat how God just works. And we want to celebrate every little bit of when God works. Sometimes you're like, well, you don't have a building or you don't have this. No, but let's be grateful for every little thing God does. And then when God gives to us, it's our opportunity to be generous. Because, and this is a great lesson, you can't outgive God, can you? So this week, there was another church planner coming into town and wants to plant a church in uh, just past Menlo Park. And uh, some of our, our, our people on setup and teardown get nervous when church planners come visit me because they know I have a bleeding heart, and I just give stuff away. I just keep giving it away. And uh, they had a need that they needed several thousand dollars worth of pipe and drape. Now, if any of you remember from our, our previous building experience, we had more pipe and drape than the children of Israel for the tabernacle, okay? We had pipe and drape for days. Pipe and drape for days so he called me up and he was like hey we need a little bit of pipe and drape I don't necessarily have this much money and I said hey why don't you just come over and let's grab coffee on Thursday so he shows up for coffee and church just so you know us as a church we will live out generosity okay generosity is something that's not always easy to practice but we will keep practicing generosity we will give when God has blessed us we look for opportunities to bless somebody else and so you say well don't we need the pipe and drape sure we do sure we do but you know what? Somebody has a greater need than our need. And so we decided their need is greater. It's more immediate. We had an immediate need with the truck. God provided. Somebody else has an immediate need of some pipe and drape. We don't have an immediate need. So guess what? We gave them about $4,000 worth of pipe and drape for free. We just said, no, no, we're going to bless you with it. And so it made a big deal for them. So I want you to know, as God pours into this church, we pour into somebody else. As God pours into your life, you should always look, who can I bless? Who is around me? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Who can I pour into? That's the heart of generosity. That's the heart of generosity. Well, that's a little bit off topic, but I just want to let you know some of these things that are core to us. Well, we've been in a series entitled Wrecking Religion. This series has really been about some of the basic core tenets that Jesus wanted for his church that sometimes churches can miss. And so we started off in week number one talking about evangelism. And what is evangelism? It's simply telling others about Jesus Christ and telling them how they can have a relationship with him and how that is so key and core and foundational to the life and the growth of every person who claims to be a Jesus follower. And so what we want to be doing is actively evangelizing. So we talked about that week one. Week number two, we talked about how legalism sometimes creep in and where people will say, here's the bar, you gotta meet this standard. And so we talked about this. And then today we're going to talk about servant leadership. Now, some of these principles, some of these things, you may say, that's so basic. I've, I've heard that. I know that stuff. It's kind of, come on, can we get to something else? Here's something I want to tell you. Companies like Coca-Cola, Apple, and Nike spend millions and billions of dollars on marketing every single year. But here's what's crazy. 
You can go to the four corners of the globe. They may not have running water or electricity, but you can ask them about Coca-Cola, and they probably know about Coca-Cola. You can ask them about Nike, and they may show you that they have a Nike shirt or a knockoff Nike shirt. You know, you never know, but they've heard of the swoosh. They may have some uh, Apple products. It's amazing that these companies, you would think, aren't they done? Hasn't everybody heard, but they're still spending money. Here's what's amazing. I think sometimes the church gives up too soon. We just think, well, everybody already knows about Jesus. No, they don't. Everybody knows about Southridge. No, they don't. Everybody knows that you can uh, be accepted and loved there. No, they don't. We need to be busy. That's why near your seat, next to every connection card, next to every give envelope on the back, is a little card that says, this may change your life. And so it's an opportunity for you as you go to a Starbucks, as you go to a coworker. It's an invitation and inviting somebody to church because we believe so powerfully that what God wants to do through each and every one of us, and it starts with telling people about Jesus. There's no greater joy than to tell somebody about Jesus and how he saved their life. Too many times we think, well, I'm just a good person. My life is an example enough, which is true, but it's not the only thing. Jesus told us to go into the world and preach the gospel. The word preach just means to proclaim it, to tell others about it. So you can't just do that by being a good example. you got to proclaim it. Well, we're looking at Mark chapter number 10 this morning. Mark chapter number 10. A little background of the book of Mark. The book of Mark is the uh, most recent gospel that was that was uh, uh, authored after the death of Jesus, the, the earliest recording. And uh, the author is actually John Mark. Some of you may, as you remember, Paul and Barnabas had some uh, help that they would go on these mission journeys. One of those young men, his name was John Mark, and Barnabas and Paul, if you know anything about the New Testament, got in a fight over if they should bring John Mark on another journey. And Paul said, he's not profitable for me for the work of the ministry. I don't want to travel with him. But yet Mark has an amazing comeback. And it's Mark who's credited with writing the book that is kind of after his name, okay? One of the four gospels. If you are new to Christianity, you're new to the faith, or you're exploring, I would encourage you, just spend your time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just spend your time there. Get to know the person of Jesus. Just spend time in those books. Because each book was written by a different different author, but it was written to a specific group. John Mark is writing, and he's speaking of Jesus as a suffering servant. And he's writing to the Jews who are in Rome who are suffering under persecution. And he was telling them, hey, here's how to be a suffering servant. And that's what we're going to really dive into today. So let's pick it up in verse number 35. The Bible says this, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Now, James and John, these are some of the early apostles, some of Jesus' first recruits, okay? And they got the nickname Sons of Thunder, okay? Now, it wasn't because they were a WWE wrestling team, though they probably could have been, okay? It was just because their name kind of fit their personality, that they were just sons of thunder. I mean, you wanted to, to have a bar brawl. These guys, you wanted them on your side, okay? All right, they, they were just those kind of guys, all right? And if you ever threatened them or said they're cheating you out of fish or anything, they, would, they were going to go to blows over it, all right? They're just, they, they one time told Jesus that there were people making fun of Jesus. He said, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? And we could just roast these guys. I mean, you can almost think that they had kind of a mafia accent, you know, kind of a Al Capone vibe. Hey, what are you doing? You know, you want us to take them out for you? You know, and uh, just kind of those kind of guys. Like, no gift of mercy. 
None whatsoever. Some of you are like, I kind of like that. I would love to call down fire on maybe an employee or two or a thing like that. But that's these guys. Now, verse 36 says, when they came to Jesus, they just said, Jesus, we want you to do us a favor. Verse 36, what is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One in your right hand and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Then Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or my left. God has prepared those places to the one he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. I love that. Among you, it will be different. We should be different. That's what we're called to be, different, salt and light, something different, right? But what is that difference? Jesus is going to explain what should be different about his followers. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must have an MBA. No. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be gifted with money and and leadership abilities. No. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must just be a powerful personality. No? It's counterintuitive, isn't it, what Jesus says? He says, whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. More accurately translated, your slave. And in that day and age, they really got the word slavery. They really got it. And so here we're seeing Jesus is really flipping some things around because today we think of greatness and we think we got to go higher. We think we've got to go bigger. But Jesus said, hey, you want to go higher? Guess what? It doesn't mean going up. It means serving. And Jesus is setting the example of a servant this morning. And he finishes the verse and finishes the passage by saying this, for even the son of man, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life for as, as a ransom for many. Isn't that powerful? That Jesus, he really sets the tone this morning. And that's where we want to look at this idea of servant leadership. You see, they were thinking it's all about where you sit. And today, sometimes we really like where we sit. Some of you, I know you're not in church because you sit in the same place every week and I just look for that seat. I don't need to like, hey, do a little roll count. I just kind of look at the seat and I'm like, oh, this person's not here. Oh, this person's not here. Because you all sit in the same seat, okay? I guarantee after a few more weeks, there'll be a nice little increase of where your little blessed assurance sits, you know. It'll just kind of be indented on that seat. We like where we sit. 
And it's amazing. We just kind of get in routines and patterns. How many of you in your home, in your living room, or in your den, you have a seat? Let me just see your hands. Yes, we like where we sit. And that's not wrong. We like where we sit. How many of you, uh, when you go to theme parks, you're the one that usually just looking for somewhere to sit down? Looking for somewhere to sit down? A few of us, yep. I always am amazed at, at how many people, when I go to theme parks, are just sitting down somewhere in just odd places. They're just like, I'm done. I'm done. You know, they just find a place to sit down. We care a lot about sitting down. And it's always kind of amazing to me because these guys are making a big deal of where they sit. Not to mention that they want to be, it's like, hey, I'll be in heaven, that's great. No, 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 I want more than that. They even go into great detail. Hey, Jesus, your throne, we know it's going to be glorious, so hey, we want to be on your right and on your left. Sons of thunder, you know, and uh, just in case you need a, a somebody to smack down or judgment, we're just right there. You say the word. You don't need to lift a finger, Jesus. We will do it for you, okay? And we may even do a little extra that you didn't even want us to do. We'll just do it. We're right there. Because in that day and age, you would have kings and queens who would sit on thrones and near them would be their most trusted advisors. Those were the seats of influence, the seats of power. Some of you, you're used to that in a boardroom. Some of you, you're used to that on your uh, team at work. There's somebody who has the authority, but then there's the person that has the ear of the person in authority. Uh, some of you spouses know, like some of us husbands, we talk tough, we act tough. But when push comes to shove, it's our wives who actually really are the ones that kind of make the real moves, okay? We'll say, no, we're not doing that. I'm getting amens. Yeah, there we go. We'll put our foot down, and then we'll look over at a wife. Can I put my foot down? You know, do I have your permission to put my foot down? Yes, I can put my foot down. You know, it's one of those. It's like, kids want ice cream. Yes, kids, you can have an ice cream. Oh, oh no, no, no ice cream for you. We don't like ice cream. We don't love you kids. You know, and it just, we just take it. We always, we always look over for that approval. And uh, uh, here, these disciples, that's the way they saw it. They thought, man, if we have Jesus' ear, then guess what? We've got the power. We've got the authority. And so they wanted to sit on the right and the left because what did they really want? They wanted power and authority. But did Jesus rebuke them for wanting power and authority? He doesn't. Isn't that what's interesting? I love that. Jesus put those desires in your heart. Jesus put that ambition in your heart, that dream in your heart. He is not rebuking them for wanting to have position. That's not what he's rebuking them for. He's just trying to tell them how you actually get it. You see, this morning, if you have a vision in your heart, you want to accomplish something for God, that is from God, but God wants to tell you the way how to accomplish it this morning. And it's not by you finding the seat, because we're all looking for the seat this morning. We all think, man, there's, there's that special seat. You've even gone into restaurants, and you're like, oh, I want to sit by the window, or I don't want to sit by the door. You care where you sit this morning. Many times, we are all about looking for that seat, the seat of power, the seat of influence. When somebody sees me in that seat, that's why some of us buy certain cars, because we want, to see, we want people to see us in that seat driving it. Not in the back because it's an Uber. No, 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 no. I want to be driving the vehicle. I want people to know it's mine or at least that I stole it, you know, and I'm really gangster, you know. So, so we're always concerned about the seat. And I find in church world we get to really wrapped up in our seat as well. And too often we come to church and we think it's all about the seat. Oh, I go to church. I find my seat. I stand up. I sit down. I stand up. I sit down. I clap. I nod. I cheer. Give a little bit in the offering plate and go home. Everybody had a good time. Everybody wins. Because it's all about the seat. And yet we miss the point of what Jesus is talking about. Because Jesus is saying there is a greatness to be had for every believer. But I want you to know the, uh, the, the, the path to greatness is not an ascent. It's a descent. 
It's the descent into greatness. And that's what God wants for every person here today. The descent into greatness. In Galatians 2, he says, hey, who, or excuse me, Philippians 2, he said uh, that Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of flesh. He became a man. He left heaven and came down to us. Today, we don't like going down. We don't like being down on the ropes. We don't like being down in the dumps. We don't like being down in debt. We don't like being down. We don't like going down. There's nothing down that we like. We want to be up up, up. We always want everything up. We want our bank accounts up. We want our job to go up. We just want everything vertical and nothing going down. But Jesus is saying there is a descent into greatness this morning. But what hinders the descent into greatness is because we're busy looking for what these two disciples are looking for. But not just Peter and not just James and John. The other disciples, they got indignant. They were upset. If you read Matthew's translation of this entire passage as well, Matthew adds a detail that Mark doesn't add. You say, what is the detail that Matthew added that Mark didn't add? Matthew said they first had their mother ask Jesus. Like, imagine that. It's like, okay, you said no to me? Well, say no to my mom. How dare you call yourself a loving person? Say you love everybody. Look at my poor mom. This toothless old woman. Don't say no to her, you know? And it's just like uh, the, the, the detail that they add, okay? And all of a sudden, they miss the point. And I think you and I, we can miss the point. Because we look for influence, status, especially in the Silicon Valley. It's always about up and to the right. But here, we need to step back and say, wait a minute. It's not about sitting. And let me make a couple observations about sitting as we dive in. First of all, if you're taking notes, please write this down. Sitting prevents me from serving. If I am sitting, this prevents me from serving. Because I'm sitting. I can't serve. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. Sometimes we come to church, we're just like, where's the seat? Let me just sit. I'm not here to serve. I'm here to sit. I'm here to listen, here to take it in. I show up late on purpose. I don't want to do anything. You bought that truck? Good for you. I ain't going to help load anything in that truck. I'm glad you got a lift gate. I ain't doing jack dilly squat because I'm sitting. And then when I go home, I'm going to sit some more. It's almost football season. I'm going to be sitting a lot more. It's sitting season. It's a season to sit. Preach that. Preach about sitting. That's what I want. And so we understand that when it comes to sitting, we can't be serving. And even Jesus, how many times in his gospel, he said, there's a lot of people that want to sit around my table, but nobody wants to go in my fields. And the church today, we are an army that should be mobilized. We live in the United States of America where there are 350, 360 million Americans, and we are predominantly, quote-unquote, Christian nation, predominantly. But yet, how many people are actively serving out of a church of our size? Typically, it's about 20% of a congregation actually is actively engaged in serving. Now, this isn't a passive-aggressive move, though. I'm really good at passive-aggressive stuff. Uh, that's not, not what this is because I believe the church too often gets a bad rap just because we're really good at knowing knowing how to use your spiritual gifts to make kingdom impact. Like we find out what you're good at. We're like, oh, you love to sing? Well, sing for Jesus. Not there. Don't sit and sing. Stand up here and sing. Come on, use those gifts. Oh, you know how to turn some dials on a stereo? Well, the soundboard's the same. Just come over here and do it. Oh, you're good at lifting heavy stuff? Excellent. Come at 6.30 in the morning, lift some heavy stuff. Help us. And uh, uh, amen. I'm glad I got something to do. Oh, you like children? You have seven of them? Excellent. Let's work in rich kids. All right? It might prevent you from having more. Who knows? But let's get involved. Let's not just sit because sitting prevents me from serving. And too often, the church gets a bad rap. Oh, you just want to build a bigger church. No. Here's what I find. Most people who have spiritual gifts never use them. 
And the church says, well, if you're not going to use it outside of the church, might as well use it inside the church. And why should we be faulted for that? Church shouldn't be faulted for that. God has given you, the moment you are saved, you are endued with supernatural gifts called the gifts of the Spirit. The moment you are saved, you got these gifts. Now there's the fruit of the Spirit, but then there's the gifts of the Spirit. And we need to preach and teach on those. They're two different things. The fruit of the Spirit is as you grow in Christ, those mature. Okay, love, gentleness, faith, goodness, meekness. Those, you got to work on those. But there are some gifts you just got right away. The moment you receive Christ. Now, my question is, how are you leveraging those for kingdom impact? We're not just here just to sit because sitting prevents me from serving. So my question is, where are you serving? Where are you taking those spiritual gifts? The moment you receive Jesus Christ, the moment you were sealed by the blood of Jesus, the moment where your name was written in the last book of life, where are you saying, God, I got these gifts What can I do? How can I serve? Some of you have amazing gifts, and there's so many opportunities, and you're waiting on a guy like me to ask you. But in a church our size, you know how long it would take for me to personally ask you and to personally figure it out? So today is a great Sunday for you to say, you know what? I see a need. I'm going to take the lead. I see a need. I'm going to take the lead. Because sitting is preventing me from serving. But not only that, sitting postures me. It's a posture. When we sit. It is a posture. So sitting prevents me from serving, but then sitting also postures me for one thing. And I love to do this. Oh, man. In about an hour and a half, I'm going to be doing this. Consuming. (laughs) I love it. I love consuming. You want to go to Sweet Tomatoes, Hometown Buffet, if you can find one, Golden Corral, we'll go there. Let's consume. You want to go to a restaurant? Let's go consume. Just not Applebee's on Coddle. Worst Applebee's in town. So slow. They don't care. You're not going to consume nothing but a bill, okay, for nothing. They ain't bringing you no food. It ain't cooked. And uh, you can't consume. Some of us, we're going to go home. We're going to consume. Sitting postures me to consume. And if that's all we do, that's not what church is about. Jesus didn't just say, hey, go to church so you can just consume. I think too often we as people that have either, if you grew up in the church like I did, or if you were saved later and didn't grow up in the church, guess what? We're kind of conditioned to just kind of come to church and just consume, just take in, take in, take in. And the analogy is that of a reservoir where it just takes in, takes in. The water begins to get putrid and gets to smell. Why? Because it has all this knowledge, but it does, has no outflow. There should be a healthy outflow. God God blessed us with something big, we're going to bless somebody else with something big. Why? Because I can't empty my hands fast enough for God to fill it. The sooner as I get rid of something, God's like, I got more for you. Because I want to keep sowing. I want to keep giving. Serving does the exact same thing. Serving says, God, I'm going to take what I've got and I'm going to serve. You know, I was a children's pastor for seven years. You know how hard it is for me not to teach children's ministry right now? I love working with kids. I love teaching kids. Hey, every Sunday morning I go to the gym and I get here, man, I can't wait to just lift stuff, okay? I get here early and I'm just like, man, let's go lift stuff. I can't wait. I wish they would let me on the worship team. I would do the worship team, but I can't sing to carry a tune in a bucket. And I, I would totally do the sound except it would explode on me from touching it okay this is all they allow me to do this is all they allow me to touch this mic barely and last week I dropped it and they got mad at me all right so it's one of those things where you have gifts and don't let anything stop you from using your gift but when you are sitting guess what happens your posture to just consume and let me let me get on your your in your face just for a minute if you've been attending Southridge you call Southridge your home and you're still just consuming let me ask you a question when are you going to take that step and step out the back of your connection card, it says, hey, where do you want to get involved? And I'm going to pray today that you're going to grab that card. And at the end of the service, you're going to say, hey, look, I need to serve. I don't know where, but here's where I think I'd like to. 
and leave us your email or our phone number. We're going to contact you this week because we believe there's a spot for you because we need you. We need you. I want to see God use you in a powerful way to impact his kingdom. We have so many things coming up this fall. We need the volunteers. We used to have a parking lot hospitality team where people, as you drove in, people would wave and smile at you. So all of a sudden, you were just happy. We had, uh, used to do double services because we had more volunteers. We're missing some volunteers that are missing in action. Some of you say, man, I used to volunteer. I don't know what happened. Man, we want to get you back involved. And so it's a great time to say, Lord, guess what? I am postured right now, but I changed my posture. Also, so sitting prevents me from serving. Sitting postures me for consuming. But also sitting, you know what it does? It positions me. If all I ever do is sit, it positions me from this, the worst one, for complaining. The people that complain the most are usually the ones that aren't doing anything. The ones that complain the most about things. That complain and nitpick about things. Because the moment you're involved, I mean, come on, parents. You're busy, you're raising your children, and somebody nitpicks that your kids have peanut butter and jelly on their shirt. You're like, well, can you raise them for a little bit? I mean, this ain't easy. They're alive. How about you just give me a pat on the back because these humans are still breathing. They're alive. That, 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 I did a good job today. They're alive, all right? And, uh, oh, your marriage isn't the best. You know what? We still married, all right? So she's still hanging around me, and I'm still hanging around here. So guess what? Get off my case, you know? Or, or, or man, you're not the best coworker. Well, I'm still here, ain't I? You know? I mean, you're just, you're just still going. See, it's easy for somebody to complain. I love Brene Brown talks about in her uh, book, Brave. Uh, She talks about it's the one who's in the arena fighting, sweating. It's that person that's in the arena that has to deal with the crowd jeering and cheering and criticizing and saying, hey, at least you're in the arena. At least you showed up. At least you showed up to fight for your kids. At least you showed up to your job to pay the bills. At least you showed up to church. At least you showed up and said, God, I need to receive something for you. Give yourself a pat on the back that you just think and showed up, all right? Because too easy, it's too easy to be the person in the cheap seats complaining and saying they should have done this. He should have hit this note. Oh, he should have preached the message like this. Oh, you know what? Let's just get involved. And all of a sudden, you're like, why did I ever complain? Why did I ever complain? No, no, no. How about we say, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be positioned like this. So we say, you know what? I'm kind of done with the chair. You say, hey, the chair, that was nice. That season for the chair is over. I'm finished. Let me give you two last points as we begin to wrap things up. You see, Jesus makes a strong point to them. He says in verse 42, Jesus called them together. He said, guess what? I'm not here to rebuke you about sitting. I'm not here to rebuke you about wanting greater things. I want those desires for you. Jesus says, so he called them together. He said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials, flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. Please write this down if you're taking notes. Greatness is not tied to where you sit, but to where you serve. Greatness is not tied to where you sit, but where you serve. Your marriage, your home, your parenting, your job will drastically, radically change if you stop sitting and you start serving. You say, I'm going to look for somebody to serve. I'm going to look 
for people at my job I can serve. If I get done with my work early, who else can I start serving? Hey, my spouse is over there. How can I serve them? And just grab, uh, uh, take off their shoes and start, just start massaging their feet. All of a sudden, they may freak out. They may be like, what's going on? Just like, no, I'm just serving you. You had a long day. Let me just massage your feet for a minute. You know, just see the dirty dishes. Just start washing those dishes. You say, I bought a dishwasher and I got married. I don't have to do that. You know, no, no, no. Just start serving. You see your children struggling with something? Just go serve them. We have a drastic lack of real servant spirit today. And Jesus said, hey, I'm come to be a servant, not to be served. So Jesus set the example, and we're following Jesus. So serving should be our MO. We should just look for opportunities to serve. How can I serve? How can I bless? I'm grateful for the Gimbal family that they said, how can I serve the church? The church needs a truck. Here's how I can serve. I'm thankful for people that simply say, hey, it's 6.30 in the morning. I could be sitting on my back porch drinking coffee, but it's a Sunday morning. The pastor probably needs some help. Why don't I go show up at the school and set up? So guess what? So he can get his mind and get ready for the message instead of worrying about some flags and some banners that have blown over in the street this week because it's so windy. Why don't I help carry a load there? I told you I'd get passive aggressive. I really, I told you I'd try not to. It's coming out. Help me, Jesus. Not today, Satan. And uh, so you got to understand that it's saying, hey, where's the opportunity? Don't wait for me to ask you. How about you say, you know what? I got two good arms, two good legs. Guess what, Jesus? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. I'm going to go serve. That rich kids need some help. Guess what? Well, our church is going to start to grow. We're going to need some extra volunteers in there. You know what? The hospitality team, they're not as warm and friendly as they need to be. You know what? I'll be warm and friendly. I'll drink five Red Bulls, and I'll get there, and I'll be jumping up and down and greeting people. They, they won't be able to handle all this personality. I'm going to go and join them. I, I'm done showing up at 10.04 because I'm going to miss the first song or something. I'm going to get here early. I'm going to just, what do you guys need? How can I serve? Because greatness is not tied to where you sit this morning. It is tied to where you serve. You want to be great? God says, I want that for you too. Guess what? Start serving somebody. You want to get a promotion at your job? Start serving your boss. Start serving. I'm tired of too often you work with people that they think, guess what? The boss exists for them. How about we say, you know what? I'm going to serve you. And the boss is like, that's a good idea. How about I serve you in return? And you start changing the culture of that place you can change it as you start serving stop complaining stop consuming and say you know what I'm just going to start serving and not be asked to it you know my children they're starting to come at that age where guess what I don't have to remind them hey you're done eating the meal excellent take your dishes and put them in the sink they kind of do it they just kind of do it. I don't have to tell them anymore. They just kind of wake up. They start making their bed. I get no credit because that's all my wife's teaching. And uh, it's just they start to do it. What is that called? Maturity. It's called maturity when a Christian just says, it's time to serve. It's time to get off the bench. There's a person who's newly been saved in our church, talked to me earlier this week and said, hey, September 15th, I'm going to help out in Rich Kids. I was like, that is awesome. That is awesome. Already just newly saved, newly came to a relationship with God, already saying, hey, I need to get busy. I need to serve. Some of y'all been saved for 15, 20, 30 years, and you're still sitting. And you've got some new upstart, some young blood coming up and saying, hey, I'm going to serve. And don't say, oh, good, I don't have to. No, 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 no. Everybody can jump in and serve because greatness is tied to where we serve, not to where we sit. Matthew 18, 4. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. It's a descent into greatness. It's a descent. And I pray that every one of us would say, God, help me to descend into greatness in my marriage. Help me to descend into greatness in my parenting. Help me to descend into greatness at my job. You say, well, I don't work for a very great company. I don't work for a very great job. 
I am trying to tell you how many great stories of corporate CEOs. They started as the janitor. They started at the bottom, but they just began to serve up. They just began to serve up. They just began to work. And all of a sudden, God promoted them. God used them. Some of the greatest leaders at our church, you say, why are they leaders? You say, oh, I know why. Because you like them more than you like everybody else. No. It's the ones that serve. You see, we care more about the purpose of the church than our position in the church. We're not here to chase position. We're here to chase purpose. And we say, God, I'm going to use my purpose. And I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to use my best of my ability. And those are the people that you see because they believe in servant leadership because significance is found in service. Please touch your neighbor and say, it's not about you, boo. It's not about you, boo. It's not about you, boo. It's about serving somebody else. And guess what? Some of you say, well, I do serve outside of the community. Excellent, excellent. But I find most of the time we don't. That's just what I found. Very rare to find an individual that says, hey, yeah, I'm actually over here serving. I'm over here doing this. That's awesome. You are the minority. Don't get insecure by this message then. Say, you know what? I'm doing that. This is encouraging. You know the people that are serving right now? They're not like, yeah, where are all these other people serving at? No, they're just like, come on, join the fun. And we're not being sarcastic about the fun. Some of the greatest camaraderie happens when we serve together. Uh, small groups is changing church world. They used to think small groups was the big indicator of a church health. It's not. It's ministry teams. Because as you start doing something together, you build a stronger relationship. It's why the marriages and the relationships that make it is because they go through battles and trials together. And as they go through it together, it forms the relationship. Makes it stronger. It's hard. It's not easy, but it forms it. As a church, as we minister together, we bond together, some special things happen. We want to get you on a ministry team because we believe that's where you're going to find some great relationships. It used to be we would say, oh, life groups, you're going to find your best friends. And you showed up at a life group, you're like, these people are crazy. I wouldn't want to hang out with these. If they ever get my phone number, I will delete them. This is the first and last time I'm at the life group thing. I ain't down with that. But you show up to a ministry team, and all of a sudden you start serving, and you're like, I like these people. They're kind of fun. Because when it comes to greatness, it's tied to where we serve, not where we sit. Lastly, please write this down. Notice Jesus says this, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Last point, write this down. If serving is beneath you, then greatness is beyond you. Yeah. If serving is beneath you, then greatness is always beyond you. Greatness in your marriage, greatness in your home, Greatness in your job, greatness in the church, greatness before God. He said, I'm looking for some servants. That's what I'm looking for. Just people who are just unpretentious. Just say, where can I serve? I don't need to be asked. I'm just, I'm just looking. I'm just, oh, they got a need over there. Why don't I, why don't I go? Right now, your children are being taught by a man who has a master's degree in theology are teaching your children the Bible he wrote a song this week for your children it's very musical stop for a second I don't have a master's in theology and he said I want to teach the children because that's the next generation here's a man who said you know I've lived life and I know it's important we got to invest in these young people he's raised his kids he says, it's, it's time to give back because they need to know the word of God. They need to be taught. So I've got all these degrees. I can go anywhere. I can work anywhere. 
but I want to be here because this is where I can make the most kingdom impact. Every Sunday morning you show up and there's hot coffee. I know you can't bring it in here, but you can drink it out there. Some people have commented that we have some of the best coffee and I, I agree personally. I think it's delicious coffee. But it's made by some ladies that they show up at about 7.45 every morning so that you can have fresh, hot coffee. You say, well, it's been hot in the summer. I just drink the lemonade. Well, they made that too. Stop complaining. <laughs> and they showed up early so you could have that, so the experience would be a little bit better. So people woke up early so they could unload a truck so that you could have good sound and so that the nurseries would smell clean because they vacuumed the floor before your children even get set on the floor. They even wipe down everything so it's disinfected. So you walk in there, you're like, this high school is really clean. No, 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 It's the volunteers at this church who are really clean, all right? Should have seen it before we got it. And you can be a part of that. We want you to be a part of that. So right now, near you should be a connection card. If you are not currently on a team, we want to see you get involved. I wish I could sit down over coffee and just talk to you personally. I just don't have the bandwidth. But consider this our our coffee chat, minus the coffee. We just both saved about $10. And it's me saying, hey, we got a spot on the bench for you. Just write on that card, say, yeah, I could serve. Even if it's just once a month for one hour. You say, well, you don't have two services right now. Then I miss a service. I know. There's a gentleman right now who's teaching our kids who said, yeah, I'm I'm sacrificing, but it's worth it. So the next generation has a strong foundation of biblical knowledge. And you and I get to be a part of that. There's a spot for us. And it's once a week where we say, yeah, I got an extra hour. I can help. Or you say, hey, I don't have time on Sunday. Come to the office throughout the week. Say, yeah, that works. Come to the office. Do some volunteer work there. There's lots that you can say, hey, I want to be a part of. Can we all stand as we close? We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.